Let's open up God's word to Psalm 19. Our text tonight is verse 12, and we'll read the psalm together. Psalm 19, this is God's word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Thus far we read the word of God. Let's reread now verse 12, which is the text. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me. From secret faults. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever had it where you were sitting in the pew under the preaching of a sermon and after the sermon was finished, you got up from the pew, walking back up the aisle and you were thinking in your mind, the sermon addressed a couple of sins that I've never really thought of. And 
they are in my life now that I've been shown that under the preaching of the word. But before this point, I wasn't so much aware that they were even there. You have undoubtedly had that experience. Perhaps you've had this, that someone from the congregation came up to you and had a hard conversation with you and said, I want to tell you that I've been noticing something in your life. It seems to me that there's a sin that I need to address with you. Maybe it's the sin of anger or bitterness, let's say. And then you leave that hard conversation and you think in yourself, I think that person's right, but I didn't even know that there was a spirit of bitterness that was growing up inside of me until that person bluntly and carefully and in a godly way told me about it. Those sorts of experiences illustrate the type of sin that we have before us in the Word of God tonight in verse 12. Secret sins, sins of which we were not even aware were in our life. There are a couple of big categories that we can give to sin. There are ones that are known to us, but then there's another category of sins that we are not aware of, that we're ignorant of, but they are found in our life. And it is that latter is here in our text. This word of God comes in the midst of Psalm 19. If you noticed as we were reading through the psalm that partly the preceding context has to do with the law of God. And the connection that that preceding context on the law of God has with our text, at least in part, is this. When we look into the mirror of God's law, which is his standard, we see the greatness of our sin. And that is what the Word of God is about tonight. The greatness of our sin. It's good that we have this verse before us and that we meditate upon it for a while tonight and that we carry it with us in the next few days this week, in these days of self-examination as we look forward to coming to the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, on Sunday. Let's hear this under the theme, a prayer for cleansing from secret errors. A prayer for cleansing from secret errors. Let's consider first place the errors and then second, the cleansing, and then third, the prayer. We'll notice in that third point the idea that this is a prayer, the last part of the verse that the psalmist makes. The two words in our text, errors and secret, both refer to sin. I don't say false. You notice that that's in italics in your KJV, and that was okay that the KJV translators added that, but the word false is not in the original language. 
but the word secret is. Errors and secret, both of those refer to sin. And when you put both of those words together, they give a complete picture of exactly what kind of sin we have presented before us in this verse. I'd like to describe this sin in three ways. Describe it in three ways. First of all, the sin that's presented here in this verse is a straying or going astray. That comes out of that word errors. That word means to wander, to deviate, to go astray. Strain is movement away from someone or something. So you think of a father walking in the woods with his children. And there they are on a path. And the dad tells his children, stay on this path. Go straight down, walk down the path. But what the children do is they swerve from that path and they go into the woods. What have those children just do? done? They've deviated, they've swerved, they've gone astray from that path. That is how sin is described here. It's a going astray. God tells us to stay on the path of His good commandments. Walk on that path. But what do we so often do? We swerve, we deviate, we go astray from that path of His good commandments into the woods of sin. That's what we have here. That is what an error is. I know sometimes in our speaking with one another in the English language, the word error sometimes can mean something that's not that big of a deal. It was just wrong. Maybe someone said, well, he had a little error in judgment in what he just said or what he did, or this was an error. And what is meant is it's not a major thing. It was relatively minor, but something was done wrong. That is not how the Bible uses the word error, and that's not how our text uses it either. It's a deviation from God's law, which is always a serious matter. So that, first of all, this sin here is a strain. Secondly, what we have presented here in the text is a secret strain, a secret going astray in our life. When I say secret strain or secret sin, I don't mean that there's a sin in your life that you do know about, but you hide or conceal that sin. You keep it secret by doing it only privately. Now that, of course, can be found among Christians that they have some sin in their life. They keep it hidden concealed. They only do it privately. 
And that too is a serious matter, but that's not what the text is referring to. And by secret error or sin, I don't mean either that there's some sin in your life that you do know about, you hide or conceal that sin, you keep it secret in the sense that you keep other people from seeing it. And that can be a reality in the Christian life too, that there's something that we have and we make sure that no one else around us knows about it, not even our closest loved ones. And that's also serious, but that's not the text. By secret strain or secret sin is meant this. It's secret to you. There is a sin in your life or in mine that we are not aware of. I really have deviated from the path of God's commandments into the woods of sin. That's something I really did in my life, but I'm ignorant of it. I'm unaware of that sin which I committed. That's what we have here. You might say there are certain sins to which we have a blind spot or we're unconscious of them. And I get that from the verse, from that word secret, of course, which means something that's hidden, it's concealed. But even that word errors, if you would trace that word in the original to other passages in the Old Testament, you'll find in some of those passages that the word errors is meant to convey a sin which has been committed in ignorance. Perhaps you're aware of some of those passages in the Old Testament, sins of ignorance. Well, that's the word errors here. So when you put both of those words together, the conclusion is these are sins which are secret to me. I'm ignorant of them, though I have committed them. The fact that you and I have things that we've thought or said or done which were going astray from God's commandments, but that we're not aware of them, that does not minimize the seriousness of it. As if to say, well, I know I have these sins in my life that I'm not aware of and I'm unconscious of them. Well, how big of a deal can they really be? I don't even know about them. Are they really that serious? The truth of the matter is, though I'm unaware of them, they're still sin, and therefore they are serious. What could explain secret errors? The root explanation, and really something that's always the explanation, is the fact that you and I have an old man. And having that sinful nature inside of us until the day that we die, we can think pretty lightly about sin. We can be pretty dull toward our transgressions of God's law. There can be a spiritual insensitivity in our life because I have that sinful nature inside of me. So that's the root explanation and always the explanation of my ignorance toward my sin. But we can add to that. It might be that what 
explains in part the fact that I'm unaware of sin in my life is I've simply forgotten. Haven't you had that where you became aware of something you've been saying or doing or even just thinking and you thought, yes, this is not right. This is sin. But then you get busy with the things of life, being a mother, being a father in your marriage, going to school, going to work. And in the midst of all the busyness of life, that thinking that this was sin just sort of drifts out of the memory and I sinfully forget it. Part of the explanation for secret errors also can be the deceitfulness of sin. And beloved, this is huge. Never discount the deceitfulness of sin. You and I can be doing things in our life which in reality are wrong, but we deceive ourselves. And maybe other people see the sin in our life, but deceive ourselves that this is okay, it's neutral, maybe even it's good and virtuous. That's a big thing. We can so easily deceive ourselves. And then also take into account as an explanation for secret error, the devil himself. You know, he showed himself at the very beginning to be extremely crafty with Eve in the way that he tempted her. That's, that's his end game to deceive and to be subtle in his temptations so that the devil doesn't come just like he didn't come to Eve and just communicate, this is a sin and I'm going to tempt you to commit it. He makes it look good. Oh, this looks attractive and appealing. And he makes it look like something that's not so bad after all. That's how he tempts in his subtlety. With the result that we cave to it, and oftentimes we don't even know that we did. Sins of which we are unaware. First of all, we have here strain. Secondly, secret strain. And third of all, this secret going astray is in great number. Notice how the Holy Spirit puts it here. He puts an S on the end. Who can understand his errors? And then the KJV translators are right to put an S on the end of false. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. This is in the plural exactly because these sins which I am ignorant of in my life are a multitude. John Calvin once said about them, they are an abyss to which there is no bottom and no shore. Psalmist cries out, who can understand his errors? To understand something is to get into the middle of it. And sometimes don't we even talk that way? I need to get into the middle of this matter. And what we mean is, I'm really going to try to discern it, pull it apart, and find out what's in there. 
To understand is to get in the middle. And when the psalmist says, who can understand his errors? He's saying, who can really get into the middle of and open up and discern all of these secret sins in my own life? Who can understand the nature of them? How serious and evil they can be. But especially, who can distinguish them and open them up so as to see the great number of them. And the answer, of course, is I can't. Psalmist can't. You can't. Because there are so many. Even if he was able to begin counting He'd never be able to finish, and you wouldn't either, because there's such a multitude. But here's the thing. He's not able, and neither are you, even to begin counting, exactly because I don't know what these sins are, exactly because I do have a blind spot to them. I couldn't even begin to count them. Congregation... We enter this week into a few days of self-examination. We just read in the preparatory portion of the form this phrase, that everyone consider by himself his sins. I don't know about you, but when I read that part of the form, and then when I go into the week of self-examination, I think to myself, Well, I better search and look upon my ways, the things that I do know that I'm doing. Thoughts and and words and actions and even certain patterns of sin in my own life. I need to look at that. But have you ever examined yourself as to the sins which are secret? We don't know what they are, but the Bible tells us that they're real. And it does so here. Let that be a part of your self-examination this week. For those strayings of which we are ignorant, there is cleansing. And the psalmist prays for cleansing. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. That cleansing does not refer to God's work of sanctification, although that's a beautiful part of God's work. Sanctification meaning He makes us holy. He works within us to deliver us from the pollution and the defilement and the power of our sins. Sanctification is a wonderful and beautiful thing, but that's not the cleansing here. This cleansing is acquittal. The Word of God brings us here into legal terminology. This is the courtroom. We are in the area of the forgiveness of sins. If you'd like to look it up with me, we're in the territory of 
Lord's Day 51 of our Heidelberg Catechism. Which is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts. That is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions nor that depravity which always cleaves to us. For every single error, there's guilt. And guilt is liability to punishment. And the cleansing here then is the forgiveness of the guilt of our sin and the sin of the psalmist. And the one who forgives that guilt, cleanses it, acquits in his courtroom, is the thou, that's God, Jehovah, merciful, sin-pardoning God, the God of salvation. Beloved, what a wonder that is. That God forgives every single one of the sins that I don't even know about. That He cleanses that guilt away. That's a wonderful, comforting thing. And that God cleanses that guilt can only be true for the sake of Jesus Christ. These sins may be hidden to you and to me and not known by us, but they are not hidden before the eyes of God and they are very definitely known by Him. He sees every single one and He will punish every single one as well. And what he did is he punished Christ for our sins and in our place. You remember how the man of God here cried out from the depths of his soul, who can understand his errors? And he means by that, who can get into the middle of them in order to see how great of a number they are? And the psalmist is saying there, I can't understand that number, and neither can you or I. But Jesus did. He knew all of them. That multitude of errors, an abyss with no bottom and no shore, was placed upon his shoulders. And not, don't just think of that in an abstract way. And it wasn't just the ocean of my strains that was placed upon him, but it was the ocean of every single one of his elect people, all of them. And now can you imagine that abyss? Can you imagine the size of that ocean all placed Upon him. Incalculable number, but he understood that number. 
and for that unfathomable mass. He suffered as your substitute to bear it away forever so that it's all gone. Don't you stand and wonder before that Savior? And the man of God here cries out, who can understand his errors and remember what he also means by that? Who can understand the nature, the seriousness of them? He cannot, we cannot, but Jesus did. For every single one of those sins that was placed upon him was like a knife that pierced at his holy heart. Ever thought of that? Jesus is sinless, the perfect, righteous Savior. And to have the guilt of our sin imputed to him that tore at him, that must have created a horror and a pain that we cannot even begin to comprehend. He knew. He did understand, and he was able to get into the middle that seriousness and depth. Experienced just how hot, how burning the wrath of God for each of those errors was. He suffered in our place until that wrath of God was all burned out so that there's not even a flicker left of it for us. And then you say, for a Savior who knew the depths of those errors, what sorrow, what suffering, but what love, what love. You understand, He didn't only take those errors upon Himself as those are imputed to Him and suffer for them, but he also lived a life of perfect obedience. And so we talk about that path through the woods. He walked that path of God's commandments. And he didn't even veer a little bit to the left or the right or at all into the woods of sin, but perfect, righteous Savior, straight down the middle, perfectly for 33-something years, in obedience to the law of God, doing that in our place. What a salvation that is. About these errors and the cleansing of them, the psalmist prays. Want to call that element of the text to your attention too. He says, who can understand his errors, but now begins a prayer. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Here's a prayer from this man of God. And it's coming from a place of humility and brokenness. The fact that he prays for the cleansing about which we just heard, the fact that he prays for it implies that he has confessed his strains to the Lord too. There's a humility there coming out of a place of brokenness. Here's a man that is overwhelmed with his sin. Already when he said, who can understand his errors? Already there he's expressing that brokenness and that humility.
and that he's overwhelmed by his sin. But now he continues that in his prayer too. Cleanse me, O God, as coming from a rent heart. Is that your heart tonight? Are you broken? Are you shattered over these sorts of sins too? If you are, then you can know that God is the one who has produced that sorrow in you. He has given you that confession and by His grace has worked that humility and brokenness within you. This is a prayer coming out of Humility and brokenness, but I'd like you to notice too that this is a personal petition. He's asking for something here. That's what a petition is. He's, he's making a request, knowing the guilt of his errors. It's urgent. This isn't just a prayer that he says, but he means it from the heart. Cleanse me, O oh God. Wash me of the guilt of those sins. And once again, he would never say that. He would never make this petition, and you and I wouldn't either, except for the grace and Spirit of God working in us. But observe with me, too, how personal this petition is. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. You know, the psalmist did not stand in the midst of Israel. And there's an Israelite over there and over there and there and there and say, well, I know I have these sorts of sins in my life too and I'm not aware of everything. But that Israelite over there, I know about his sin and I can be sure that he doesn't even know about it. And that woman over there, well, she's got those sins too. And so does that one. He doesn't do that. He's concerned only about himself. That's his petition. Cleanse me. And that teaches us a lesson, doesn't it, beloved? Whenever we're sitting under the preaching of the word and it exposes our sin as it must, it is such a temptation. When we hear about this or that, iniquity in our minds or with a silent glance at another person in the pew to say, I sure hope they're listening to this part of the sermon because I know they need to hear it. And I'm sure glad he stepped on toes, but I sure hope it stepped on their toes too because I've noticed this. And what a strong temptation with respect to secret sins to say, well, she in the congregation, I don't think she's even aware of this pattern of sin in her life, but I see it. it. has nothing to do with the people around me in church, but it has everything to do with me. And when we hear, beloved, our sins exposed, you and I must not go up the aisle, but with this thought, I am a sinner. And with an urgent, personal, intense petition, cleanse thou me, Lord, me, my sin. May that be your personal petition this week too.
Prayer that arises out of humility and brokenness, it is a personal petition, and I'd like you also to observe with me that it's a prayer directed to Jehovah. That's the one to whom he's praying. Faithful Lord, abundant in mercy, the pardoning God. Do you think the psalmist would ever dare even raise his eyes up to heaven except he first knew he's merciful. And would you ever even begin your prayers without knowing he's the merciful, pardoning God? That's the one to whom he prays. The God who has promised that he will, for the sake of Jesus Christ, answer this petition, and he does so by cleansing all of our secret faults. Praise be to his name. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we pray that thou wilt expose to us the fact of our secret sins. And although by virtue of the fact that they are secret, we cannot identify them one by one, Lord, and count them, impress upon us the reality that there are such sins in our life. Bring us, Lord, as only Thou canst by Thy Word and Spirit, to a brokenness, sorrow over these sins too, and a true confession of them that we have sinned against Thee, our God. Father, also even as we pray this to Thee, we do so in the knowledge that Thou art abundant in mercy, that thou art a God who pardons sin. And so we thank thee for that. We pray too that thou wilt expand our hearts tonight in appreciation and thankfulness for a Savior who bore all of our sins in our place and walked the path of thy commandments perfectly for us. Hear us now. Bless us, Father, this week of self-examination. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen.